seated. If you see the sermon title this morning, um, I was thinking of a subtitle, the sermon you will never hear in a Protestant church. <laughs> or maybe the sermon you'll never hear in a Protestant church in the middle of fall. And that's somewhere around St. Patrick's Day. So I feel like I need to explain this message a bit and, and where it came from. You see, the Austins, Hutchinsons, Peels, and Frost have just returned from a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime vacation to Ireland, planned by Gene and Sally, and they put together a wonderful time of uh, visiting and, and seeing sights and recreation, but it was just a special time. However, they wanted everything to be perfect, and they'd been listening to Pastor Nate about worship, and they knew that we were going to be away from you last week in Ireland on a Sunday, and they wanted to make sure that we gathered for worship, that we heard from the word, that we were responding to God, and that we would be sent out. So they asked me if I would bring something of a devotional a time we sang, and, and uh, we found a piano that was rolled in, and the wheels fell off, but we still had a great time. And um, so a wonderful time of worship. And um, what I thought would be a good topic, since I didn't really know anything about or much about St. Patrick, um, was to maybe there was something in his life that we could draw upon. And as I studied his life and came up with some lessons, they were quite profound and they actually really dovetailed with some of the things God was doing in my life. And so I shared some of those things last week and I, I was asked to preach again on when I got back and I said, I'm going to do a little more study and see if I can't bring home some of those things that we can learn through the life of St. Patrick. Now, I need to say a couple more things. Most sermons are based on a scripture text, and we go from there. But occasionally we'll have a sermon that will be on a biblical character. We've heard sermons on, on Paul, or we've heard sermons on David. And we learn from biblical characters. But what about this taking a character that's not in the Bible, or not in the scriptures, and, and presenting that as a sermon on Sunday morning? Well, I find my biblical basis in 1 Thessalonians 1.6. And I'm going to read it for you. Let me read 1 Thessalonians 1.6. And this is Paul speaking. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. Catch this. So that you became an example to all who believe in Macedonia and Achaia. What Paul is saying is that believers should become examples to other believers. That you should be able to learn and grow from watching the life of other believers as you see Christ, as you see the Word lived out, as you see their example. And so we can learn from the biographies. I remember being touched by the biography of Bonhoeffer. Or the testimony of a life changed like Louis Zamperini in Unbroken. And so we can look at the life of saints and see as their life are built on Scripture and point you back to the triple truth that was lived out in their life. We have a living example of what we can and should be doing. Now, one more disclaimer. Why are we talking about this Catholic guy? So, as a church historian, as someone interested in that, just remember that every one of your believers, brothers and sisters, before the year 1000 was part of the Holy Catholic Church. And, before, and after um, that, it was either up to 1,500. They were either Eastern Orthodox or Catholic. So unless you want to wipe out 1,500 years of godly men and women that can be examples to us, we need to look at some of their lives 
and realized that they were called of God and what they were able to accomplish. So we turn to St. Patrick this morning. Well, what do we know about him? We heard some myths that, you, um, that were shared with us, and we have to sort through that. But let's talk about what we do know. The most amazing thing for me, and I don't know why it was a surprise to me, but St. Patrick's not Irish. You remember, St. Patrick was a missionary. He had to come from somewhere else. And I guess I don't know where I lost that, but St. Patrick wasn't Irish. Initially, he was born in Romanized or colonized England. It, just 50 years before, the uh, Roman Empire had been Christianized. And all the way up to Hadrian's Wall, it got right up to those wild Scots and those crazy Irishmen, but the island of England itself was Romanized Christian. In fact, um, St. Patrick's Day was St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's father was a deacon in the church. They're in Wales, that part of England today. Well, at 16 years old, do we have any 16-year-olds here? 15, 16, 17? Raise your hand, right there. Okay, at 16 years old, Irish raiders came and, and captured him, took him away as a slave to Ireland at the age of 16. Now, as I read and study um, St. Patrick's life, I think of other biblical characters. Who do you think of when you think of someone sold in slavery and taken to another country? Joseph, yeah. And like Joseph, he went there and he worked hard. He was a shepherd. Picture that conjures up in your mind of David and those that learned um, out in the fields. But for six years, he was a faithful shepherd in that field. And you know what? It built his faith. His faith grew just as Joseph's grew. In fact, he came to a point where he had a vision just like Joseph. And the vision said, your boat is ready. Your boat is ready. So he took the risk of escaping, going down to the uh, seashore and getting on a boat and going home. And the Lord honored that, but like Joseph, did Joseph have a straight line to Pharaoh's court? He was recaptured. Recaptured and re-enslaved um, in, in England. He had to fight his way back, almost starved to death, but got home. Got back to his home. Now you would think, wow, what a harrowing experience. He's now young in his 20s. He's done with Ireland. That's it. He's back home. He's going to be safe. He has another dream. He has a dream just like Paul. Just like Paul heard the Macedonians say, come help us. He heard an Irishman say, come help us. Now, you know what his reaction was? His first reaction was not that he shouldn't go back to that terrible island. What his first reaction was, I'm not capable. Who, me? Who's that sound like? Moses? Who, me? I'm untrained. Who, me? Those, that's a whole island of pagans. Me, little old me? I can't do that. And you know what he did then? God says, well, get ready. Just as God told Moses, I will give you the word. So you know what? He went back to school. He became a priest. Then he became a bishop. And finally, he felt prepared to go back to Ireland. And he spent the last 40 years of his life speaking and preaching and baptizing. Some of the uh, fables um, we're not so sure of. I mean, Ireland doesn't have any snakes, but I can't attribute that to... to um, St. Patrick. But what we can do is tribute some of his teachings. How did he teach the Trinity? Shamrock. Shamrock. How can this be one plant because it has three leaves? It's three in one. And he would take things that would help these pagan people understand the gospel. 
And he spent the next 40 years preaching and teaching and winning these people over. Well, what can we learn from the life of St. Patrick? Well, I think we have three lessons that I want to highlight this morning. And we'll look at some scripture as we go. But the first thing is God speaks to each of us if we'll listen. If we're listening. God will speak to you if you're listening. We just sang. We just prepared our hearts. God cannot speak to you if you're not listening. And where did he speak to St. Patrick? When he was a slave. In the shepherd's field. At the least likely time. He was not in a position to do much of anything. And yet he was listening to God. He was listening to God. When he got back, instead of just putting that all behind him, he was listening to God. He was listening to God. God will speak to us if we will but listen. The second point I want to say is God will ask us to do things that may not be comfortable for us. God may ask us to do things that may not be comfortable for us. He kind of worked himself into a safe spot. He was a shepherd in the field, but what was the risk? He was risking his life to go down to the shore. He was risking his life to escape. And yet God said, go, your boat is ready. Sometimes there's going to be things that God asks you to do that you don't feel comfortable doing. You don't feel capable of doing. When God says, go back to Ireland, I'm unequipped, I'm untrained. What's going to happen to me if I go back? If you're listening, many times God will ask you to do something out of your comfort zone. Ask you to do something that you do not feel equipped for. And the third, third lesson I learned from Patrick was not only did he learn to listen and be willing to listen to things that might be uncomfortable, but there was a purpose, there was a meaning that God calls us to reach others. God calls us to reach others. That's our mission. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. I want to return to that scripture we read this morning, the Macedon, what's known as the Macedonian call. In Acts 16, I'm just going to read a couple verses from this. Acts 16, let's look at verse 9. 16, verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing beseeching him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Help us. Just the open cry, help us. It wasn't teach us the word. It wasn't anything specific. Just help. People need help. In many ways, the gospel is able to help in so many different ways. And they're just asking for help. And Paul responded to that. And I'm going to read the next verses. What happened when Paul responded in verse 16, 14, and 15? Here's what happened. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of a God. The Lord opened her heart to give heed to what I said. Who did the work? The Lord opened her heart to hear what Paul had said. You see, we go and God's responsible for the results. They may say no. They may reject us. They may turn down our help. But that's not our job. Our job is simply to go and then let the Holy Spirit, let the Lord work through our hands, through our words. So how do we apply this in our own life. I told you that this kind of mingled and dovetailed with what God has been teaching me this summer. I realized that if I'm listening, God's going to start speaking. God's going to tell me about some things that are uncomfortable. And in my case, they were really the 
taking the extra step. For me, this was a lesson to would I take the extra step. You see, we have things on our Christian calendar that we get to church and we have our devotions and we do this and we're on this committee and we can check the boxes, right? But when does God speak to us and say, no, 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 go beyond the box. Somebody needs help. I think of three examples this summer. I have 10 grandkids. There's my 10th right there. <laughs> 10 grandkids. And you know, that's a box you check as grandparents. You want to be a good grandparent, don't you? You check the box. You got 10 kids. How, let's be efficient. I have four boys between five and one just became eight. And this little gaggle, they're all going to come over because grandpa said they could start a fire in the yard today. And that's a highlight of, um, you know, fires and young boys. And boy, I can knock off four boys and just stand around and throw logs in a fire. And I checked the grandpa box. But my daughter-in-law said, she has a, my oldest is a strong-willed, hyperactive boy that sometimes has conflict with his mother. And that mother said to me, I see the same seeds of what my brother did to my mother. And they got at odds as children. My brother is a child with my mother that is now animosity and they're alienated from each other. And it terrorizes me to think, would my son ever become like that? Well, I thought, there's a cry for help. I could keep throwing logs in a fire and hope everything turns out right, but I said, no, no, this is something different. I'm not a child psychologist. I'm not sure really what to do, but something came to my mind, and it says, 50 years ago was the summer of love. By the way, that's not true. But I thought it was 68. That was the riots. It was 67 was the summer of love, and it's, so it's 51 years away from the summer of love. Some of us lived through that. Some of us only see it in documentaries. But um, 67 was summer of love. I said, We're gonna, this is going to be the sum, summer of love for Luke. We are going to love this guy. We're going to praise everything he does positive. We're going to just saturate him with the love of Jesus. We're going to tell him he's loved. We're going to spend time with him. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. And so I'm going to take some extra time, and I'm going to take Luke by himself. Okay, we're going we're gonna to go out to the lake, and we're going to do some things, and we're going to really show him that he is special. God loves him, and we're going to, this is the summer of love. I remember the very first day, I set aside an afternoon, we took him out to the lake, we're going to do things together. I get out of the car, and the man in the yard next door is on a backhoe, working, um, and he jumps off, and um, he was doing landscaping, jumps off, says, hi, Dr. Frost, he was my former student. So he comes up, and he wants to start a conversation, except my Luke jumps in front and says, I'm here with my grandpa. I'm here all by myself with my grandpa. <laughs> this summer, I just talked to his mother. He said, there's been a transformation. Just to hammer him with the love of Jesus, to spread on him, to shower him, to talk to him, to let him know he's loved and not let that conflict fester and grow into bad habits and bad expectations and even projections. Doing the extra mile, going the extra mile, even if you're not competent, even if that's not your skill, even if that's not what you're all about. I think of another story. We have a former head of our school had a boating accident. He's quadriplegic. He broke his neck. Well... He's a former head of school. I sent him a Christmas card. Um, we invited him to an event. He came about 15 years ago. I realized it took his whole day to get him dressed, to get him in the wheelchair, to get his transportation, to get him there. And he just couldn't do anymore. But, we, you know, we'll send him invites. And, you know, he knows we remember him. 
you know, check the box. I heard a cry for help. I heard him say, nobody visits him. So Barb and I <laughs> set aside an afternoon, and we go over there, and there they are waiting for us at 4 o'clock for dinner, all dressed up, ready to go. And Barb and I have a wonderful time. And his wife pulls us aside at the end and said, if you could ever do this again. Going beyond your comfort zone. Going beyond something maybe you feel comfortable for. Going beyond checking the box. And I, my last story, and I think I mentioned it the last time I was talking to you, was my grade school teacher, who I've been able to keep up with and, and been benefited from that. I, I would go out to dinner with her, and she lives in Elmhurst, so you pick her up in Elmhurst, you go to downtown Elmhurst, you have a wonderful dinner, it's a good time. I'm glad I spent the evening. But somehow the time 20 years ago where she was out at the lake came up. Well, she can't drive to the lake anymore. And she has a dog she's got to take care of. Somebody's saying help. Somebody's saying help. So I find somebody to drive her and her dog out to the lake for a day at the lake. And Barb and I spent that day at the lake, and it was a beautiful day. It was one of those best days of the summer. And we encouraged her um, struggling faith, and we talked, and we shared, and we just had a special time. And they left a, the other classmate of mine that brought her out, they left, and I went over to the guest book, and I opened the guest book, and said, this was one of the best days of my life. Who in your life is calling for help? Who in your life could you reach out to? Maybe in a way you don't expect, maybe in a way you don't feel capable. Maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's just reaching out, maybe it's spending time, maybe it's finding resources, maybe it's doing something. But who's coming to mind? Are we listening? That's number one. Are we saying, God, who can I reach out to with your love? And then when he tells you, it's going to be uncomfortable, probably. It's going to take extra time and effort and money and energy. But then we say, we just do it and expect God for the results. I want to say one more thing, because maybe you're the person here crying for help. Maybe you're the one that needs the help. And so I want to invite you also to step up and speak out. Maybe it's coming forward for prayer after service. Maybe it's letting Nate know or one of the other deacons or elders or just a friend. Don't be afraid to ask for the help. Because as a church, we should be listening. We should be willing to go outside our comfort zone and we should be reaching people with the good news and love of Jesus Christ. I want to, as just we close this, a message. If somebody's come to mind, maybe write it on your sermon notes. Write that name so you don't lose it. And if no, nothing came to mind or nobody came to mind or no need came to mind, just pray as we close. Say, Lord, speak to me. Is there someone who's asking for help that I can make a difference? And like St. Patrick, I'll prepare, I'll, I'll go the extra mile, and I'll leave God the results. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the life of St. Patrick, someone who listened, someone who didn't stop because he didn't feel adequate, and someone who went. And Lord, you abundantly responded, abundantly gave fruit. Lord, there's people in our lives that are probably crying for help. Help us to hear that. Help us to hear you speaking through that cry for help. Help us to overcome our inadequacies or those things that would keep us from stepping out and, and demonstrating your love. And Lord, let us trust you for the results. 
And Lord, too, those who are hurting that need help, help them to ask. Help them to reach out so that by the Holy Spirit we might truly be your body to one another. For we pray this in your Son's name. Amen.